Hey there, and welcome to episode number 079 of the Food as Medicine show with Dr. Ann, the place to be for real talk with real people and real results so you can heal yourself naturally. I'm your host, Dr. Ann, and I'm a board-certified pharmacist and functional medicine practitioner, and I help people find and fix the root cause of chronic conditions, and I specialize in gut infections and travel health. If you need help with your nutrition, food sensitivities, and healing your gut, you can book an appointment with me at drann.com work. And Ann is spelled A-N-H as in healthy. Guess what? I'm back. First, I really want to thank Lucy Cornell for giving me that little nudge that I needed to get back into podcasting. And I finally feel like I have a good grip on my life and that the crazy, hectic life that I was living since I quit my job about two years ago has finally settled down and I'm living a much more manageable pace and manageable lifestyle. And I'm now living in Da Nang, Vietnam, which is, and I'm about five minutes from the beach, which um, is great because now I have time to take care of myself, I can focus on my health, and I can work on my passion projects and I couldn't be happier. Um, I, you know, it was, it wasn't all sunshine and butterflies the past year, and I'll get into that more in future episodes, but I'm in a good place now, and I'm ready to get back into podcasting more regularly, and I just want to really thank Lucy again for um, helping me by sending me an email and asking me, you know, when are you going to do podcasting again? It was just, it was just at the right time um, because, you know, I was about to get a little complacent with my new lifestyle and she provided that little, that little poke, that little nudge that I needed to, to get back into podcasting. So I'm very grateful to Lucy. And I'm excited to bring more guests and experts to the show who are really, really making a huge difference in the world and helping so many people. So keep on listening. And I hope this show continues to bring you the inspiration and support that you need to have the healthiest, happiest, and most impactful year in 2018. And along those lines, I wanted to share with you that today's episode is sponsored by Health IQ. And Health IQ is an insurance company that uses science and data to secure lower rates on life insurance for health-conscious people such as runners, cyclists, strength trainers, and vegetarians. So just like when you save money on your car insurance for being a good driver, Health IQ saves you money on your life insurance for living a health-conscious lifestyle. Health IQ can save people up to 33% on their life insurance because studies show that physically active people have a 56% lower risk of heart disease, a 20% risk lower risk of cancer and a 58% lower risk of diabetes compared to people who are inactive. In other words, you cost less to insure, so they pass the savings on to you, which makes perfect sense. And I believe believe that it's never too early to start thinking about life insurance, especially if you have people who depend on you. And if you're already living a healthy lifestyle, you can see if you qualify for a lower rate and get your free quote today at healthiq.com slash food, F-O-O-D, food. Or you can mention the promo code food when you talk to a Health IQ agent. Again, it's healthiq.com slash food. So make sure you go there and check to see if you can qualify for a lower rate on your life insurance. Now, before we get to the episode, I want to let you know that the opinions expressed on this show may not represent my opinions, and the show is for general information only, not a substitute for medical care. 
So prior to beginning any new health program, I recommend that you consult with a qualified health professional. In today's episode, I chat with Chris Wark, and Chris is an author, speaker, and health coach. He was diagnosed with stage 3 colon cancer in 2003 at 26 years old. He had surgery, but instead of chemotherapy, he used nutrition and natural therapies to heal himself. Chris has lectured at smoothie bars, health and wellness events, hospitals, churches, culinary schools, Whole Foods markets, and more. And Chris has made many appearances on radio and television, including the Ricky Lake Show and the Lisa Oz Show. And he was also featured in the Truth About Cancer docuseries and in the documentary film The C Word. Chris inspires countless people to take control of their health and reverse disease with a radical transformation of diet and lifestyle. So in today's show with Chris, we talk about the cancer industry and how people are afraid to say no to their practitioner, the things Chris did to heal his cancer, including specific foods and supplements, the superfoods he eats and what he puts in his juices, some of his favorite resources and books, and much more. All right, let's go chat with Chris. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to the Food as Medicine Show with Dr. Ann, the place to be for real talk with real people and real results so you can heal yourself naturally. Today, I have a very special guest. His name is Chris Wark, and I'm a big fan of his because, I, you know, when I met him, you know, I learned that he is a cancer survivor. He's got a very popular podcast, and um, what he does is he helps people heal from cancer naturally, and he's got an amazing story that I'm really excited to have him share today. So um, welcome, Chris, to the show. Thank you so much. So glad to be here. Yeah. So, you know, can you share with us how it all started? You know, um, what brought you to where you are today and um, kind of, you know, share with us a little bit of your story. Yeah, I'm happy to do it. I, I share my story often and um, I, uh, it's been a long journey, so <laughs> I've gotten pretty good at telling it. Um, <clears throat> when I was 26 years old, I was having abdominal pain and I was misdiagnosed as having an ulcer. But after months and months of the pain not going away, eventually the doctors did a colonoscopy and they found a golf ball sized tumor in my large intestine. And they sent a biopsy to the lab and said, and it came back and they said, you have colon cancer. You're 26 years old with colon cancer. And at the time, of course, I mean, I was totally shocked. Couldn't believe that that's what was happening to me. I couldn't believe that was my life, right? Just felt like a dream. And but I was, you know, a very typical cancer patient. I had no clue what cancer treatment was like. I had never seen anyone go through it. I've never had any friends or family go through it. So I was just, again, very clueless about cancer and about cancer treatment and about the cancer industry. So like most patients, they, they rushed me into surgery. They, you know, most cancer patients, when they get a diagnosis, the doctors try to get them into surgery in a couple days. I mean, sometimes the next day, they wanted me in surgery within two days. And this was, I was actually diagnosed two days before Christmas. Mm. So I actually asked for a week. I'm like, look, I don't want to be in the hospital over Christmas. Can we postpone it a week? And they were like, yeah. So I had surgery on December 30th. And they took out a third of my large intestine. And they took out this tumor. And when they got in there, they saw that it had spread to my lymph nodes. And they realized I was worse off than they thought I was stage 3C. They took out the lymph nodes that were obviously cancerous, and they took out some others and stitched me back up. And when I came to, they said, look, you know, it's worse than we thought. You're going to need 9 to 12 months of chemotherapy. Mm. And before that conversation, chemo wasn't even 
you know, disgust, right? Yeah. They were just saying, look, you know, we're just going to do the surgery. We got to get it out of you as quickly as we can before it spreads and kills you. So you just have to have the surgery right away. So again, I was like, okay, whatever you say, doc. And then, and now I'm faced with, oh, so I'm going to be like a real full fledged cancer patient now. And at the time I just, you know, I mean, I was on some heavy drugs, so it didn't feel, you know, it felt like a dream anyway, but I just sort of accepted that, okay, I guess this is my life now. But there were a couple of things that happened in the hospital that were red flags to me. And the first one was the very first meal they served me after cutting out a third of my large intestines was a sloppy joe. What? You know what a sloppy joe is? <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. It's the worst cafeteria food you can really come up with, right? It's like mystery meat, like some kind of ground up beef or whatever with barbecue sauce on a hamburger bun. Ugh. And literally like, here you go. We just took out a third of your guts. Here's your, here's your first meal. <laughs> and I just remember looking at it, just thinking, this is, I, I can't believe they're serving this. It this makes no so, sense. Yeah, this is so crappy. This mm. is the worst food ever. And I was not a health food eater, but I definitely knew what health food was. Like I understood like what healthy food was, fruits and vegetables. And Like should I, I be getting a salad or something? <laughs> exactly. I mean, I knew what, there was some fruit. I don't know. And I knew what junk food was. Yeah. And, uh, and just, so that was confusing, right? I just, it really made me like, very, very confused and uh, wondering why hospitals were serving such terrible food to sick people. Mm. Second thing that happened was the day I was leaving, the surgeon came in to check on me and we were just talking about, you know, what was next. And I was, you know, I didn't want to go home and eat the wrong thing and like screw up my surgery. Right. So, I mean, just, it was, I had, you know, I was, had these irrational thoughts like, you know, what if I eat hot sauce? Like, is it going to melt the stitches or something? <laughs> you know. <laughs> so anyway, so I asked him, I said, are there any foods I need to avoid? Uh, and he's like, nah, I just don't lift anything heavier than a beer. Okay. <laughs> that was, a, that was the, the nutrition advice from my surgeon. Mm. So I was like, again, red flag number two, I'm just thinking there's such a huge disconnect between nutrition and health and the medical industry. Like, I don't understand right? Mm. Like, do they, they just don't think anything you eat matters? Because even though I didn't know much about nutrition, I instinctively believed that the food you ate did matter. <laughs> you know, even though I'd been eating junk food and fast food, like, you know, pretty much exclusively for, you know, at least a decade. <laughs> you just knew uh, it wasn't good for you, but you know, it happens, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're invincible. You know, I've always been thin, right? Never struggled with, with my weight. Mm. And so I could eat whatever I wanted. I was a junk food connoisseur. I mean, I was mm. a fast food, fast food, junk food connoisseur, basically. And uh, just, you know, a typical meal for me was like some kind of just whatever crappy cereal for breakfast or some eggs or maybe some sausage, like microwave sausage biscuits, you know, or toaster waffles or something. And then lunch would be uh, any, any fast food, like, you know, barbecue sandwich, Whopper, uh, you know, Wendy's chicken sandwich, Subway, whatever, you know, just anything I wanted, pizza, giant, you know, supersized Dr. Pepper. And then dinner was fast food again, or microwave lasagna, 
or something, you know, just my wife and I had been married a couple of years. Neither one of us were into cooking. We were just eating just whatever, you know, convenience food. Mm. So, so I get home from the hospital and I had this really strong, um, really strong inner conflict about chemotherapy. You know, as I was sobering up, I was getting off the pain medication. I didn't really like being on it. And I was thinking about my life and my future and just wondering like, you know, what the future would hold. Like, was I going to have children or was I going to have grandchildren or how long was I going to live? How many birthdays were I, was I going to celebrate? I mean, you know, cancer patients think about all these things. And the idea of poisoning my way back to health did not make sense. It just didn't make sense. Like, this doesn't make sense. Like, poison is going to make me better? Like, it seems like it's going to make me worse. And then I, have, then I have even farther to climb, right? It's like being thrown in a hole, right? And in order to get out of this hole, we need to first throw you in a deeper hole, mm. <laughs> right? You got to climb out of that one and then climb out of the hole you're in. So my wife and I prayed about it. And I was just like, God, if there's another way, just show me. Because I, I, I don't know what to do. Like, this doesn't seem right. Like, I don't feel good about this at all. My, you know, my instincts, my intuition, my conscience, like whatever you want to call it, was, was very resistant to this idea. Two days later, I get a book that was sent to me from a man who knew my dad. And this, I live in Memphis, Tennessee, and this man lives in Alaska. Hmm. And he sent me this book. It was called God's Way to Ultimate Health. And I, you know, I get it in the mail and I'm like, I don't know, God's way to ultimate health. And then the, 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 the tagline or whatever you call it, it was, you know, uh, a common sense guide to eliminating sickness through nutrition. So I'm like, well, this sounds interesting. So I start reading it and, you know, I get, I get into the first chapter and I realized the guy who wrote it had colon cancer 30 years ago and watched his mother suffer and die from chemo and radiation treatments. And when he was diagnosed, he was in his 50s, he adopted a raw food diet and started juicing. And a year later, the tumor was gone. Mm. His body healed it. So he radically changed his diet and his lifestyle. His body healed. And so he was making a case in this book that nutrition uh, can give your body the firepower, right? The, the ammunition, the firepower that it needs to heal. And that the reason so many of us are sick is because we're eating a Western diet. We're eating all this man-made food, processed food, junk food, way too much meat and dairy. And it made sense to me. I was like, hey, this makes sense. And this sounds way better than chemotherapy. And I prayed and this showed up. So I'm doing it. Mm. So um, I immediately, you know, I mean, I, I was, I was sitting on the couch, like reading. I mean, there was a point when I was in the first maybe chapter or two of the book. I mean, I was just crying on the couch. Like I knew it was an answer to prayer. It was just, it was a very emotional moment for me. Mm. And I was just thanking God that, you know, I felt like he had really just reached out and given me something when I was so desperate, you know? Mm. And so I called my wife and I was really excited. And I was, and I was like, I got this book and, and like, I know what I'm going to do. I need, we need to get a juicer. I'm going to start juicing carrots. I need, I'm going to start <laughs> eating raw fruits and vegetables. Right. She was like, okay, <laughs> but you're still going to do chemo. Right. And I was like, no, 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 I'm definitely not doing chemo. 
<laughs> and and he did not like that at all. You know, hang, I hang up the phone. Minutes later, I'm getting phone calls from other family members, right? I mean, word spread fast. Mm. And they're calling, you know, we heard you're thinking about not doing chemotherapy. And, you know, you, you really need to do what the doctor says because they know best. And, you know, don't you think if there was something that worked better, they would know about it and they would use it? Mm. And I was like, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how to answer these kind of questions, right? And... At the time, again, I was just operating mostly on faith, right? I had one guy's story that was enough to inspire me to, to radically change my life and, and go down this path. But I didn't have much, like, you know, uh, intellectual ammunition, <laughs> okay? So, so I'm getting all this pressure from, from family members, like, that this is a mistake, which I didn't expect at all, mm -hmm. you know? And these people love me, of course. They weren't against me. They were wanted me to live but they thought I was making a huge mistake and they were telling me that so <clears throat> regardless I immediately adopted the raw food diet like you know found bought a juicer went to it was I it was either wild oats or whole foods at the time I can't remember when the buyout happened but anyway bought you know went into the produce section like looked around you know and just started like loading up the cart with broccoli cauliflower carrots you know a huge bag of juicing carrots uh, and uh, started raw, eating raw food. It's just, just like cold turkey, doing it. And, but again, I had all this pressure. So I reluctantly agreed to go see the oncologist. And so a week later, I go to the cancer clinic that they had recommended. And my wife and I are, you know, the parking lot's packed, the waiting room's packed. And, you know, you know I scan the waiting room just trying to kind of get a sense of this new group of people that I'm a part of, right? Like I'm the new kid in the club, <laughs> right? The cancer club. And the room is full of people that are twice my age, three times my age. There's no other young adults in there. There definitely weren't any teenagers. Um, again, I was 26. Long hair, handlebar mustache, rock and roll dude. No way. Yeah. 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 I and mean, I've got a wall full of guitars behind me. Oh, there's a guitar behind me. Anyway. So yeah, I mean, I was a musician, you know, and I mean, I was, and I thought to myself, God, I don't belong here. I mean, I just do not belong here. And the television was on. We're again, we're just sitting there waiting to, you know, for our, my name to get called. The television's on and it's on the morning shows and out comes Jack LaLanne. You know who Jack LaLanne? Producer guy. Yes. Mm -hmm. So Jack LaLanne is now uh, the late Jack LaLanne. But anyway, he comes out and he starts going off about nutrition. And the reason we're all sick is because we're eating all this processed food and man-made food and junk food and too much meat and dairy. You need to go back to eating lots of fruits and vegetables and juicing. I like saying the same exact message, right? Mm -hmm. I was getting that I'd just gotten from this book a week before. And it was like, I can't believe this is like, beaming through the television <laughs> in the cancer clinic, you know, the moment that I'm there. Mm. Right. I mean, he, it was like a, you know, three minute segment, right. And the like little three minutes that he was on, you know, I was there. Right. And I looked at my wife and I said, can you believe this is like, I mean, right now, like this is on the television. And she was like, yeah, it is pretty weird. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so we go back and see the oncologist <clears throat> and you know, it's important to, to explain that because people have a very high regard for doctors and 
The truth is, you know, oncologists, they see tons of patients every day. And, you know, before he saw me, the guy was back in his office flipping through my chart. Okay, who's this guy? What's he got? Right? All right. This is Chris. He's got colon cancer. Okay, what's the, you know, treatment for that? Maybe he's looking that up. Who knows, right? But he comes in, he gives me the standard pitch. Like, okay, you've got stage three colon cancer. Um, You're going to need Falfox, which is 5-FU and Leucovorin. You have about a 60% chance of living five years. And I'm like, 60% chance of living five years? Like, that sucks. Yeah. That doesn't, that's not inspiring any confidence at all. I mean, that's, you know, and then at the moment, I mean, I had this immediate thought. I was like, that's barely better than a coin toss. Mm. Right. I mean, and what if he's wrong? What if it's like 50 50? Because it's pretty, sounds pretty close to 50. <laughs> How do you know is 60%? Like, I'm, you know, sort of doubting that even what he's telling me is true. Um, and I asked him about the raw food diet. And he said, uh, no, you can't do that. It'll fight the chemo. What? Yeah. Yeah. And at the time, I should have asked him why I didn't. I, I found out later why. Because when you eat a raw food diet, it's a very aggressive detoxification diet. It's a very low-calorie diet. Typically, people lose weight on it. Mm-hmm. And, but your body becomes very efficient at flux, flushing out toxins. And so when you're doing raw foods and you're taking chemo, your body kind of kicks the chemo out faster than they want it to. Mm. And so it can't stay, hang around and linger and do as much damage as they want it to. That's the main reason. And, and there is an old, there's sort of an old idea that uh, raw foods are dangerous for cancer patients because of the bacteria that might be on an apple. So they, for years, have recommended what's called a neutropenic diet, which is a diet of all cooked food for cancer patients. But that's since been proven not necessary. Anyway, I didn't know any of that, <laughs> okay? He just said it would fight the chemo, and I thought it was weird. Then I asked him if there were any alternative therapies available. And at that point, his demeanor really changed. Mm. And he, he went from being, you know, just sort of a typical, you know, doctor demeanor to very arrogant, condescending, intimidating guy. And he said, no, there are no other therapies available. If you don't do chemo, you're insane. Hmm. And it was like, I mean, at that moment, I was just sort of like deer in the headlights, you know, I mean, the fear just like washed over me. I was, you know, you know, when you're afraid, when you're stressed, when you're, when you have anxiety, you don't, your brain chemistry changes. Mm-hmm. You're pumping those stress hormones. You don't think clearly, like you can't even remember things. Like I, the rest of our conversation was pretty much a blur, except at one point he said, he was just kind of, you know, trying to talk me into it. And he said, look, I'm not saying this because I need your business. Hmm. He really said that. And that was like, I was like, kind of shook me out of my days for a second. I was like, whoa, this guy just gave me the pushback, which is a sales technique that I used to use when I was in sales. <laughs> I'm like, this dude is trying to sell me something right now. Mm. Like, I don't need your business. That's, he's saying the exact opposite, right, of the truth. And I realized that every, every cancer patient that walks in there has dollar signs over their head. And look, I'm not trying to demonize the guy, but he can't make money without patience. Just that's the, that's the truth, right? He needs patience to make money. And if every patient that came in, you know, said, I'm just going to go home and juice and he couldn't treat them, then he would be broke. So 
<clears throat> I found out later that private practice oncologists make up to two thirds of their income from the profit off of chemotherapy drugs. Mm -hmm. They, they buy the drugs directly from the manufacturer, mark them up, and then sell them to you, the patient. Usually your insurance company pays for them, but you know, you know, patients a lot of times are paying for a, a copay, you know, some percentage of the drug. And again, uh, and that's the only segment of the medical industry where that's allowed. Yep. Like normal doctors can't sell you the drugs they prescribe only in the cancer industry. So it's it, the conflict of interest there is huge, right? It just puts doctors in a position of having a huge conflict of interest. I mean, it just, that's the way the industry's set up. I don't blame the doctors for it. They're just in a system that pays them really well to do what they do, despite the results. So again, it doesn't matter if patients get, get, uh, get well or not, right? It's like the old, uh, like the, the, the old quote um, from Moliere, I believe medicine is the best of all trades because whether you do any good or not, you still get your money. Hmm. So we left that appointment. Well, let me just say, I walked into the cancer clinic confident in what I was doing. And I walked out of that appointment terrified, completely just shaken and doubting everything. And I went to the desk and I made an appointment to get a port put in to start chemotherapy in a couple of weeks. And then we walked out to my wife's car and we sat in her car and we cried and we, and we held hands and we prayed and I was so afraid, mm. so afraid. But fortunately I had time. I had still had weeks to recover from surgery. So I went back home and kept doing what I was doing, kept juicing, kept eating raw food, raw fruits and vegetables, tons of them, which I'll talk about exactly what I ate. Um, and when the day arrived that I was supposed to go get my port put in, I didn't go. <laughs> I was like, I'm not doing that. I'm not going. And then they start calling my house. They sent me a certified letter. We're concerned about you. You need to call your doctor immediately. You know, your, your life is at risk. Again, using the fear tactics to try to get me on the conveyor belt. And, and that's the way the industry operates. I mean, they use fear to motivate patients to say yes and to rush into therapy. And once you get on the chemo train, it's very, very hard to get off. And I've talked to so many cancer patients who are stuck on the chemo train. All their friends, their family, their loved ones, their doctors are all saying, no, you have to do this. No, you have to do this. Their instincts are telling them, this is wrong. I don't want to do this. This is a mistake. Like, this is hurting me. This is making me worse. But everyone else is saying, no, you have to do it. You have to do it. And they're too afraid to say no. Like, they are too afraid to jump off because they feel like they don't have any support. Mm -hmm. So uh, I'm going to try to circle back and touch on that. But that's why I started my site seven years later. I started ChrisBeatCancer.com because in 2004, the internet sucked for cancer patients. I mean, it kind of just sucked anyway. There was no Facebook, no, no YouTube, no Twitter. Like the sites that you spend most of your time on didn't even exist in 2004. <laughs> so there were no support groups. There was nothing. Like there were no good natural health or, well, I mean, Mercola was about the only site out there at the time. And um, natural news was pretty, is kind of in its infancy back then too. So I got really no help on the internet. I mean, very little in 2004. And everything I learned, I learned from just a handful of books. 
written by cancer survivors that had healed with nutrition and or some alternative holistic doctors that specialized in helping cancer patients get well. And so I just had this handful of books that I kind of, you know, cobbled together. And the great thing was, is they were all confirming that they're all saying the same thing. They're all saying raw foods and juicing and forgiveness. <laughs> You know, if you want to sum, you know, sum it up, those three things, like were the some key themes, right? And rebounding, exercise, and of course supplementation, but um, and detoxing. But uh, but I, you know, again, I, I kept seeing these common threads, and so I was like, look, I'm just doing this. So after uh, the cancer clinic finally left me alone, and they just realized, look, this guy's not coming back. But I found a, a, a an integrative nutritionist, very holistic master herbalist that was in Memphis and he was the first person to say you're doing the right thing mm. and that was huge because before that my mom supported me she's always been into health and um, shopped at the health food store and you know had a bunch of books that ended up being very helpful to me um, but no one else supported me at the time and so this guy said you're doing the right thing I was like oh man like you don't know how much that means to me to hear you say that. And he connected me with an integrative oncologist who was, had come out of, come back out of retirement because he just didn't like being retired and wanted to help more people. Mm -hmm. And that guy, his name was Dr. Roy Page. He's deceased now, but um, he was a huge ally because even though he was trained conventionally, he was so old and he'd been around for so long that he knew this therapy didn't work. <laughs> you know? mm -hmm. I mean, he just did. You know, he just knew chemo. Yeah. I mean, you know, you know, you can shrink a tumor for a little while, uh, but it's going to come back more aggressive. Right. And, and so he was very much, uh, he was researching Chinese medicine. He was, I mean, you know, in his, in his, I guess he was in his seventies or maybe early eighties, but he's still learning, still reading, still researching, still trying new things. Mm. And so I, I kind of assembled this little team of people to help me and, uh, and just, went for it hundred percent. So the foods that I ate, you know, people listening are like, are watching. They're like, that. get to the point. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> They're like, this is eat? the key. What we want to know. Tell me, tell me about the superfoods. <laughs> so <clears throat> I, I'm a minimalist and I've, I've recently learned that I'm also an essentialist. Mm. <laughs> you ever read that book, Essentialism? It's really good. Uh, I've so, heard snippets of it. Yeah, it's really fantastic. And as I was reading, I'm like, this is me, totally. Like, this is exactly how I think. So um, when I first got into the raw food diet, you know, I, I was like, well, I, I need a raw food cookbook, you know? So I got some raw food recipe books and I was like, this is all too much work, right? <laughs> and, and you know, way too much work. And, and, and I want to get as many vegetables in my body as possible every day, mm. right? And if you're going by a recipe, it's, I've never seen a recipe that uses like every vegetable, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. Except a salad. <laughs> so I realized, okay, the first thing I did, uh, based on the recommendations on the first book I read was he was like, look, you drink eight, drink 64 ounces of carrot juice every day. That's what this guy did. So I'm like, all right, step one, get up every morning, run the juicer, make 64 ounces of carrot juice. Eventually I started adding beets and celery and ginger root to it. But some days it was just straight carrot juice and I would drink it throughout the day. So it was eight, eight ounce glasses of carrot juice, basically, if you, if you break it down. So it's like, you know, eight ounces of carrot juice every hour or so. Mm -hmm. for, for breakfast, most days I would skip breakfast and just juice through the morning. 
uh, or I might have a piece of fresh fruit, like a grapefruit or a green apple mid morning. And then lunch, I'd have this giant salad. And I had the most potent anti-cancer vegetables that I had read about that I thought would be good. I started with broccoli, cauliflower, kale, cabbage, spinach, um, red onions, mushrooms. Uh, I would chop up like, you know, red, yellow, green pepper. I put sauerkraut on it or kimchi. I um, just doused it in garlic powder and oregano and cayenne pepper and curry powder or turmeric. And then would top that off with like a little uh, olive oil and apple cider vinegar. Hmm. It's delicious. I mean, it's just great. It's just, I mean, once I kind of got the concoction down, I was like, man, this is good. Like, I love this. So I made these giant salads, had to buy bigger bowls because my bowls weren't big enough. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, this is exactly it. Like, this is the meal I need to eat. And so I decided, okay, I'm just going to eat this every day for, for lunch and dinner. Like, this is it. Same meal every day. Very simple. Juicing all day. Same thing for lunch and dinner. Skipping, juicing through breakfast. You know, juice fasting basically through breakfast. And then I started adding fruit smoothies as a snack uh, in the afternoon. And that was berries, which are the most potent anti-cancer fruits. Blueberries, blackberries, raspberries, and strawberries. You buy them frozen in a mixed bag and get a banana, a couple cups of frozen berries, fresh coconut, blend it up. And I've got, you know, it's a delicious fruit smoothie. So <clears throat> I was pounding in between 15 and 20 servings of fruits and vegetables every day, which is huge. And anybody listening, I mean, you know, the average American eats like one or two servings of fruits and vegetables. Yeah, if that. Every day. Yeah. I mean, you know, and that's like if you count you know, French fried potatoes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, like, and like, you know, ketchup. <laughs> right. So... <clears throat> that little sliver of lettuce on the burger. Mm. So I went from, yeah, eating a couple, one or two servings of fruits and vegetables a day to eating 15 to 20. And I'm telling you, if you, when you go from one to two to 15 to 20, dramatic changes happen in your body. Just absolutely dramatic things happen. You're just feeding your body with so much nutrition, vitamins, minerals, enzymes, and thousands of phytonutrients with various anti-cancer properties and immune boosting properties and detoxification properties. So you're just like pumping in all this amazing stuff and your body knows what to do with it. That's the beautiful thing, right? Your body knows exactly what to do with fruits and vegetables. It doesn't know what to do with the Twinkie. <laughs> so so that's, that, that was the strategy. So Chris, did you have any... Um like side effects per se of the, all the extra fiber that you are taking in because, you know, for p people who have colon cancer, um, the conventional thinking is, you know, avoid roughage, right? Um, mm. So did you have any problems with those kinds of um, like gut issues or just stomach upset by having so much fiber? That's the best question. Thank you for asking that. Um, so there is a, oh, two things I want to talk about. So um, before I answer that, there was a study that I found years later, where they tested the most potent anti-cancer vegetables. And what these researchers did was they took eight different tumor cell lines in the lab, and they juiced a bunch of vegetables, and they dripped the vegetable juice on the cancer cells, okay? Mm -hmm. Just vegetable juice, right? Carrot juice, broccoli juice, garlic juice, to see like well, what'll happen, right? Mm. And what they found out is the most potent anti-cancer vegetable is garlic. 
in, in this test. Now they didn't test every single vegetable. I think they tested 20 something vegetables, but garlic was number one in this test. Number two is onions and garlic and onions are in the same vegetable family. Leeks are basically number three, also in the allium vegetable family with garlic and onions. And then the rest of the top 10, most of them were the cruciferous vegetables, mm -hmm. broccoli, cauliflower, kale, cabbage, all the stuff I was eating every day in my salad. Okay. So like I found this study again, years later, and it was like, wow, I mean, this is awesome. Like this explains why what I did worked. So, okay. So the question about roughage is, um, the lowest rates of colon cancer in the world are in sub-Saharan Africa, basically Uganda. Their colon cancer rates are 50 times lower in the US. 50, five zero, 50 times lower. And their diet is one of the highest fiber diets on earth. They get between 75 and 125 grams of fiber every single day. And it's mainly from potatoes, beets, carrots, rice, lentils, right? Different types of beans and grains. And they have the lowest rates of colon cancer. But not only that, they have extremely low rates, almost zero, heart disease. They don't have colitis. They don't have Crohn's disease. They don't have irritable bowel syndrome. They don't get hemorrhoids. They don't get acne. They don't have um, uh, ulcers. And there's a huge, there's a long list of Western diseases that are completely absent from the rural African diet. This is also true in rural parts of Asia, mm -hmm. China, Southeast Asia, South America, India. So anywhere you have large people groups that are eating a plant-based diet with tons of fiber, they actually have excellent health. They have wonderful health. There's a really neat study that anybody listening can look up called the African Diet Swap, where they took Africans and African-Americans, and they swapped their diets hmm. to see what would happen. And when they swapped, yeah. And you can guess what happened. After, I believe it's two weeks, just Google African diet swap. I mean, it's pop right up. After, I think it was two or three weeks, uh, the, the Africans eating the African-American diet had marked changes, like negative changes in their gut bacteria and all sorts of biomarkers. And the African-Americans that were eating the rural African diet, which again was like peas, beans, lentils, potatoes, had all these improvements like immediately. Mm. So, so yeah, there's, um, I, any, I think fiber has been demonized uh, uh, just by people that, I don't know, maybe they haven't seen the science or the, or the epidemiological research, but I personally get about 75 grams to 100 grams of fiber every single day. So I eat a very high fiber diet, tons of fruits and vegetables, starches, tons of carbohydrates, and I, you know, have excellent health, cancer-free. It's been 12 years. So like what I did worked. There's like no, no doubt about it. Yeah. As far as, um, I, there's a couple of things I wanted to ask you regarding, okay, so the foods that you eat, does that apply to every cancer or is it just colon cancer? And then were there other supplements that you use besides the, the superfoods that you were eating? Good, yeah. So the, um, the diet doesn't apply to every cancer because every cancer is not caused by diet, mm -hmm. but the majority of cancers are. So there's a handful of cancers that are related to viruses and bacteria that are not necessarily di dietary caused. Although you could make the case that the viruses and bacteria got in their body because of contaminated food. Mm. As, you know, meat and dairy 
are have very very high viral contamination. They're just very, they're just easily contaminated. Um, but vegetables could too if it's grown, you know, using human feces. You know, I mean, it could be uh, contaminated. So that's called uh, turtleizer. <laughs> so anyway, but um, but the majority of cancers are Western cancers. So Western cancers that are super prevalent and the biggest killers are lung cancer, colon cancer, and breast cancer. Mm -hmm. Those are the big three that <clears throat> are the killers. So lung cancer, we know the vast majority is caused by smoking. Uh, breast and colon cancer are dietary cancers and they're extremely low rates in rural parts of the world. Africa, India, China, Southeast Asia, again, South America, Anywhere you have people that are living off the grid, <laughs> growing their own food, eating very little meat and dairy, and tons of fruits and vegetables and starches, right? And they're not around um, pesticides and fertilizers and uh, industrial agriculture or in industrial um, production, right? Manufacturing. They're just out living in the hills of wherever. <laughs> they have extremely low rates of cancer. And there's all these, there are all these wonderful studies I mean, you, you know, like the Okinawans are, are famous for being some of the longest living people in the world. And their diet for years, the traditional Okinawan diet, was mostly sweet potatoes. Mm -hmm. It was like 80% of their diet was sweet potatoes. It was a very large percentage. So, um, so yes, diet is critical. I mean, for every cancer patient, this is what I think patients need to know, especially, is the most potent, the most powerful diet for a cancer patient is number one, a plant-based diet. Mm -hmm. because meat and dairy raise IGF-1. IGF-1 is insulin-like growth factor. It's a growth hormone in the body that promotes cancer growth. And, you, and eating meat and dairy raises that growth hormone in your body. And when you stop eating meat and dairy, the levels of IGF-1 go down dramatically. So you're eliminating one source of cancer fuel. Um, the other thing that happens is uh, meat and dairy are very high in other hormones. I mean, milk has something like 60 different hormones in it, right? that are designed to grow a cow from 60 pounds to 500 pounds in six months. Mm -hmm. And so you're putting all these growth hormones in your body um, that can feed cancer growth. So again, you don't want that. Meat and dairy are also high in methionine, which is an amino acid that cancer cells are absolutely 100% dependent on. They cannot live without methionine. And so uh, when you eliminate meat and dairy, you restrict methionine dramatically. Fruit has zero methionine. Vegetables are very low. Beans have the most, but still only like a fourth of, I think, chicken. So, so there's a lot of advantages to removing meat and dairy. Now, processed food is, is definitely off the table, like Cokes, you know, Twinkies, all that stuff, like McDonald's, right? Processed food, man-made food. It's, it's loaded with so many artificial flavors, colors, additives, preservatives, trans fats, just like artificial sweeteners and flavor enhancers and texture enhancers. And, you know, th what that thing came out recently about Parmesan cheese has like blue oh, chips in it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so it's just the big ag, like the food industry has been cutting corners for decades, mm. trying to produce the cheapest food possible to make the most money and substituting real ingredients, like real strawberries for like some artificial strawberry flavor. Mm. And, and those are chemicals that man has created that your body has no idea what to do with. I mean, they're just toxic to you. Um, 
And all refined foods really are toxic. White flour, white sugar, um, refined oils. So as, as much as you can get away from those things, I think better. Because we know the healthiest people around the world consume the least amount of those foods, right? A lot of times it's zero. So um, what was the other question you asked? Oh, so I had asked about supplements. Oh, yeah. Um, so, I, yeah, I took a ton of stuff because the nutritionist I was working with recommended a lot of things that were specific to me. Um, based on what he saw going on in my body, I had adrenal, basically just adrenal blowout, right? Mm -hmm. My adrenals were shot. He gave me some different herbal formulas to address parasites, um, he, you know, liver parasites, intestinal parasites, you know, whether or not I had any, we don't know, but it was just like, Hey, let's, let's target this anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, he gave me things to boost my immune system. Like, so there, there are definitely supplements that I think can be very beneficial for every cancer patient. One would be aloe. So aloe vera gel. Aloe is amazing. It's rich in, in an anti-cancer compound called ACE mannan. Uh, that's an immune booster, immune modulator. Beta-glucan, which is found naturally in yeast and barley and oats, mm -hmm. but it comes in supplement form, uh, is an immu immune booster, immunomodulator as well. It makes your immune system work better. Like it makes it more, uh, it's, it, it's not like it would cause autoimmune disease, but it just makes it more efficient is a way to put it. Um, I took a lot of vitamin C. I took um, a lot of greens powders. You know, everybody likes green, like Garden of Life Perfect Food or Fresh Greens. I mean, there's a lot of different ones. Barley greens. Um, I drank a lot of wheatgrass. <laughs> you know, I was doing like four wheatgrass shots every day. Mm. Um, and uh, let's see what else I, I took. Um, uh, I think it makes a lot of sense, although I didn't take it at the time, but I take it every day now, is to take curcumin. Mm -hmm. Because curcumin is one of the most potent anti-cancer spices on planet Earth. I think it's more powerful than garlic, although it wasn't compared to garlic in that study I mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. It's been studied thousands of times. There's thousands of published studies on all of the anti-cancer properties of, of the turmeric root and curcumin, which is the active compound in turmeric. So, and you know, they've done studies where they tried to overdose patients on curcumin and they couldn't do it. Mm -hmm. They got to 20 grams a day and no side effects. And so they, there was one trial where they just stopped because they're like, well, <laughs> we're giving these people 20 grams a day and they're fine. Mm -hmm. So curcumin, it stops cancer growth. It causes apoptosis. It blocks the formation of new blood vessels for tumors. So it blocks angiogenesis. Uh, it pr protects DNA from, it protects your cells from DNA damage that could lead to cancer. I mean, it's one of the most amazing uh, herbs on the planet. Mm. So taking curcumin, I put turmeric on everything. I put turmeric in my smoothies. I put it, everything I eat pretty much has got turmeric on it. So except for oatmeal, I don't put it in, the, in my oatmeal. But um, so curcumin uh, and or turmeric is awesome to supplement with. I think boswellia, which people know as frankincense, is great. It's an anti-inflammatory, has anti-cancer properties, and that can be taken in the oil or you can take it in supplement form. I like to take it in supplement form. Um, and uh, gosh, there's so many, you know, and you can really kind of go nuts. But I took a mushroom supplement called RM10. It's Garden of Life. I took probiotics. So I took um, several different types of probiotics, again, just to try to rebuild my gut. And, you know, when you have surgery, they give you antibiotics. And so that destroys your gut bacteria. So 
I was very conscientious about trying to heal my gut, build it back up. Aloe is wonderful for that as well. Mm -hmm. And um, let's see. Yeah, I mean, that's, that pretty much covers the broad spectrum of, you know, antibacterials, probiotics, immune boosters, detoxification supplements. So I did some, definitely some herbal detox teas and tinctures and uh, all kinds of stuff, right? I mean, the, my attitude was, I'll do anything I can find and afford. If mm. it's non-toxic, yes, like I'll take it. Um, so yeah. <laughs> so where are you now in terms of your health? Like after you did all that juicing, all those supplements, the, you know, salads, um, did you ever go back to the doctor and what did they tell you? So I was, I was working with an integrative oncologist. I never went back to the doctor who told me I was insane. Mm. Uh, and, but the integrative oncologist I worked with, he ordered blood work every month. We kept a very close eye on my, my CEA, my cancer, you know, it's a cancer marker in your blood. And um, he was doing vitamin C IVs for me. Uh, we did that for a period of time. And so, and ordered some CAT scans, right? So periodically every six months, for the first couple of years, about every six months, I had a CAT scan just to make sure there weren't any new growth. It wasn't any new growth. And that was really at his recommendation because he was very concerned. I mean, he just knew the risk. Mm -hmm. Something I said earlier, remember that I said the doctor told me I had a 60% chance of living five years. Mm. So I found out later that the truth, the true statistic for me, young adult stage 3C colon cancer was 28% chance of living five years. Wow. Not 60%. He actually quoted the generic statistic for all cancer patients to me. Mm. Right. You take every age, every cancer, lump them in one big group. What percentage of that group lives five years? 60%. So that includes the stage one, you know, little cancerous mole on your arm. Right. So, <clears throat> yeah. So he was very dishonest with me. I found out later. Mm. And then the 10 year survival rate for what I had is less than 20%, you know, somewhere 16, 18%. Hmm. So my health today is excellent. No cancer. I'm in the best shape of my life. I'm the strongest and healthiest I've ever been in my life. So, you know, I could say I, I'm pretty happy about that. Yeah, I think that's a great yeah. result. Yeah. So we have a few minutes. I wanted to ask uh, one more question and maybe have you... Mm -hmm care how people can get a hold of you. Um, so for you had mentioned there's certain cancers that are not as responsive to nutrition because they have different root causes. You know, so what are those cancers and what can people do about them? Well, I think all cancers are responsive to nutrition. And I think nut nutrition is the key to health. It's mm -hmm. the foundation of health. And so you have to put nutrition in place. Even if you're doing chemo and all that stuff, you, if you don't get a good nutrition protocol like the one I followed, you know, you're shortchanging yourself. Your odds of survival are much higher if you're putting the right nutrition in your body because you are what you eat, mm. right? Technically, you are what you ate, right? You are what you ate. Your body is built out of everything that goes in your mouth, whether it's quality or junk. And <clears throat> so it's really critical for cancer patients to eat well. I mean, to, to be hardcore about their diet. But the problem is it's very tough. When you're doing chemotherapy, everything tastes terrible, you know, and all you want to eat is, you know, ice cream and pizza and mashed potatoes, right? Like bland food. And so cancer patients end up eating 
you know, really junk food and their doctors go home and eat whatever they want. So that's a problem too. So um, I'd say there aren't any cancers that, that patients need to say, oh, I have this kind of cancer. So I don't, I, you know, it doesn't matter what I eat because it, it matters, always matters what you eat. Um, so there are, I, I'll touch on this. There are a few cancers that are, the cancer industry has made pretty good progress with. That's test testicular cancer, lymphomas, especially Hodgkin's, and childhood leukemia. Mm -hmm. Those three cancers, they've made really good progress in survival. I mean, the, uh, a lot of those patients have a 90% 10-year survival rate and pretty, pretty solid remission and cure rate for those. And those are the cancers that the industry frequently sort of like holds up and says, see, look at all the progress we're making. Give us more money. Mm. But the truth is the main cancer killers, they've made very little progress in. In the last 60 years, since the, basically the introduction of chemotherapy in the 1950s, the overall survival rate, the death rate of cancer has only come down 5%. Mm. 5% improvement in 60 years. People don't know this. The media is not talking about this. But you can go to the American Cancer Society and look at the statistics and you see it's right there in front of your face, right? If you, you look at the graphs at the American Cancer Society that the, comparing the death rate, the overall cancer death rate for all cancers in, in the 1950s versus today, it's come down 5%. Mm -hmm. So again, a few cancers have done well, but there are a lot of cancers that they've made zero progress. And our main cancer killers, breast, colon, and lung, are three of the big ones that they've made very little progress. So um, patients need to understand that the, the good news that you hear about cancer treatment, that patients are living longer and that, you know, the, the tagline is patients are living longer than ever before, <laughs> okay? But the truth is it's because they're getting diagnosed earlier. Right. Right. Yeah. So, Chris, you shared a lot of great information, and I know that um, I'm sure there's tons of people who want to, you know, follow up with you, find out more information, um, and, sh and see what other options are available. So how can they get a hold of you? Yeah. So I have a huge website that's full of free information. It's called chrisbeatcancer.com. Mm -hmm. And there are 50 plus interviews with other real normal people that have healed all types of cancers, breast, colon, lung, pancreatic cancer even. Mm -hmm. And so I, you know, I, I started the site in 2010. And then as, as I it kind of grew really fast because there were a lot of people that were looking for this information. And then uh, other survivors started coming out of the woodwork and saying, Hey, I healed too. This is what I did. And I'm like, Whoa, can I interview you? So there's all these wonderful interviews on there. Lots of articles, lots of videos. Um, again, it's all free. Just, you know, go surf around if, if you want information or send your loved ones there. I do have a free guide that I think is one of the best things I've put together. It's called 20 questions for your oncologist. And that is the, the essential questions that every pan cancer patient needs to ask their doctor. Questions that I didn't even know to ask. Mm. And I mean, these, these questions can save your life if you ask the right questions, because you need to get the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. And unfortunately, doctors withhold a lot 
Mm-hmm. You know, they try to tell you, they basically try to tell you all of the good and none of the bad. Right. And they minimize them. I mean, to tell you, obviously they can't pretend like, you know, they can't pretend like, uh, promise you you're going to live. But there are a lot of really key questions that you need to ask. So yes, that's, an, that's a really great guide. It's on the site. In, you know, you can see it on the front page. Um, and then I have a coaching program coming out really soon because I've coached cancer patients for years now. And so we're just finishing up this coaching program. And I don't know if it'll be done by the time you launch the podcast. But anyway, anybody that comes to the site, subscribe to my newsletter, they'll find out when the program goes live. So um, really excited about that too, because it, it, it's called Square One and it'll give them a very clear step-by-step path. Everything that I did to get well and everything that I've learned in the last 12 years that other people have done, all consolidated into a very simple, straightforward strategy to start the healing process. So yeah, that's very, very exciting to me. I'm really, really looking forward to getting that out. I love it. I remember when I met you, I immediately sent one of my friends to your website because I thought it was just a wealth of great information. So yes, thank you so much for what you do. And it's been so fun to chat with you. Um, Learned a little bit more about you. So that's good. And I really hope people check out your coaching program because I think you're doing a great thing. And um, thank you so much. You too. This has been super fun. Thanks, Chris. Hey, so I hope you enjoyed the show. And a quick thank you to our sponsor, Health IQ. If you've ever wondered what will happen to my family if I'm not around, then I highly recommend you to check out their website at healthiq.com slash food, F-O-O-D, to see if you qualify for a lower rate on your life insurance and make sure your loved ones are cared for in the event that something happens to you. It only takes a few minutes, so check them out at healthiq.com slash food. All the links and resources mentioned today are in the show notes at dranne.com, and Anne is spelled A-N-H as in healthy. While you're there, remember to jump on the Food as Medicine VIP email list, and you'll get my free gift, The Clean Eating Rules. It's everything I learned about nutrition when I was on my bodybuilding journey, and it's my number one guide for how to eat to lose weight, improve your biometrics, and get more energy. You'll also get my favorite pearls from the show, and this show can be a bit technical and detail-oriented at times when the guests share their specific protocols with foods to eat and avoid, as well as which supplements to incorporate, what dosages, etc. And if you're anything like me, you're probably multitasking and listening to this while driving, cooking, or doing errands around the house, and you really can't be jotting down notes of all the great information that's shared in this episode. So I've taken the notes for you, and by hopping on my email list, you'll get the show pearls delivered right to your inbox, so you can refer back to them at any time. Finally, as a VIP email subscriber, you'll get the occasional love letters from me, which are emails sharing some of my favorite recipes and products, upcoming events, new information I've learned, and other goodies. So go to drann.com now and enter your name and email address. Did you like this episode? Then remember to subscribe to the show using whatever app you listen to the podcast on. Every time an episode is released, it will be automatically downloaded to your smartphone and will be there for you to listen to. And this means you don't have to manually search for the show to see if a new episode has been released. And it also means that if there's any problems with the iTunes store updating, which happens occasionally, then the iTunes store won't... um, It will take 24 hours to publish an episode. And so if you're waiting to see if there's an episode and you're searching for it, you won't see it, even though it's been available and out for 24 hours. So it's just one touch of a button and on any podcast app that you listen to, and you won't miss an episode. 
So remember to subscribe to the show. We've got plenty of great guests coming up, so stay tuned. Thanks so much for stopping by. And until next time, remember to eat consciously because the world needs a healthy and vibrant you.